Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. What's going on, everyone? This is episode 88 of the Top Rope Nation Wrestling Podcast. I'm Ryan Drosty, your host, and we have a little bit different flavor of a show scheduled for you this week. This has been a crazy, crazy week in all three of our lives, really. Um, I've been working 12-hour days this week. Justin's been sick. Kyle's working long days. It's like the busiest time of the year for him at his job. So we thought, let's change it up a little bit this week. We're still going to hit a few things going on, current events in the wrestling business like we usually do. Um, But we're going to have a big topic this week of The Shield, since all of that obviously just happened with the reunion at Fastlane. And where does The Shield rank as far as historically among some of the greatest factions in wrestling history? So we're going to, you know, kind of rank them and give our thoughts on that and our rationale for where we would rank The Shield where we would. But before we do that, let me throw it out to Cleveland. Mr. Kyle Ross. Kyle, you were in attendance at Fastlane on Sunday. How was that for you? It was a fun show and a good show, too. I think uh, best pay-per-view so far of 2018 from the WWE. Of 2018? Or maybe 2019? <laughs> yes. Still recovering. Yes, I would agree. I think it definitely topped the Rumble. Yeah, the, the, the crowd liked it. Um, one thing that I noticed being in the crowd is how little these podcast talking points that we all harp on, not just as, but like, you know, podcasting is a community in the entire recipe matter when you're in a live crowd, to see WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one gentleman, clearly a, it's, I don't know who listens to this podcast, but he listens to podcasts. He was a very typical podcast listener. Um, but by the way, that, we love all of you listening right now. Just yeah. Throw that well, this guy, I don't love, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him in a little bit, but, um, no, it was, it was it was a really great time, uh, a good spot right where they got everyone came out right by the uh, right up against the aisle, right against the entranceway. So it was cool too because we were in a a back row, so we just sort of could have could like roam around. Hmm. 
Yeah. You, yeah, you were visible on television a few times, Kyle, me and Justin were looking for you. And if you were in attendance, those of you out there watching or listening at the quick and alone's arena, and you saw a guy, a crazy man walking around with a Baker mania headband on with an American made mid eighties Hulk Hogan t-shirt. That was your boy, Kyle Ross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, and I was, you know, obviously one of the cooler people there but um you know who's not <laughs> one of the cooler people there is so there was this guy who was very adamant about referring to seth rollins as tyler black the whole time and <laughs> this every, makes me think of a, a justin joint memory i have go ahead okay now i've told this story on this show before about when i was at the roh show like 12 years ago and i had these ovw DVDs in my hand and this guy came up to me. I've told that story, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just to rehash, this guy saw me with these. If you, if you missed that episode, guy saw me. This was the Paul Heyman, uh, the short-lived Paul Heyman booked era of OVW. So I bought the weekly TV. Some guy came up to me and was like, OVW, huh? Remember going to a few shows back in the day? There was a guy there by the name of Prototype. But you know him as John Cena. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> one of these guys. Yeah. And so we had another one. Every Oh, every time Seth Rollins, that Tyler Black. Well, this guy had a big problem with some of the WWE storylines. And look, you know, we all sometimes criticize WWE storylines, fair or unfair. But this guy, it, boy, was this guy obnoxious. He, he knew two things about wrestling. That Seth Rollins used to wrestle as Tyler Black. And that Dean Ambrose burned his shield vest once. And he was very clear that this happened. And he would not stop talking. Um, you know, he was, by the way, hanging out with somebody who tried big-timing us and not giving us our seats when we oh, arrived to the venue. Uh, you know, I don't want to name names, but he was a referee of a local promotion here in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we calmly asked him to move one time. He kind of no-sold it. Uh, just to make everything clear, we sat in our seats. Uh, by the time the show started. You so. should have just started chopping this guy. Yeah. And by the way, that local promotion here in Cleveland's a very good promotion, so I don't want this gentleman to in any way cloud anyone's view of that promotion. Um, but yeah, this guy, he was like, oh, and he kept referring to this, but back to podcast guys, I'll call him. This guy who was being obnoxious. Uh, Roman Reigns is a tan John Cena. Charlotte overhyped bitch. <laughs> God. So, like, it, it's funny, like, when people, you know, and I had a conversation, uh, actually, the night prior with a, a pretty interesting individual, somebody who, who I think their opinion would matter a lot on pro wrestling. And, you know, I, I go to this person, I'm like, you know, your biggest audience nowadays, and I think he, this is reflective in a lot of the storylines and how WWE's trying to draw heat, are these folks who, like, think they know a lot but they really don't know anything. You know, they think just because, oh yeah, Seth Rollins, the former Tyler Black. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm so smart. Oh yeah, I remember that Dean Ambrose burned his shield vest and you know, it kind of is nonsensical that they're back together tonight. But like, there's no application of that knowledge. It's just obnoxious, you know. Like I'm smarter than you are. Yeah, look yeah. at what I read on the internet, you know. It, and you know, but other than that, just a wonderful night of entertainment provided by the WWE. <laughs> you got a good show. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good yeah. show. Um, Justin Joint on the line. 
across from Kyle Ross here. Uh, Justin, I don't know if you know this or not, but Seth Rollins, he's from Iowa. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was informed he used to be known as Tyler Black. <laughs> <laughs> we had a fan bring that up to us at a show in Iowa before. Wait, Justin, was, your reaction? I was wearing a Seth Rollins shirt. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the exact type of person Kyle is describing here. Yeah. Yeah, man. Pretty sure I know that. <laughs> Thanks. And then I think he said, yeah, I saw him wrestle here one time and he was Tyler Black. Did you know that? <laughs> might have been the same guy. You know? It might have been. Maybe. Oh, by the way, the guy, the guy who thought he knew it all was God bless you folks that do this. Okay. There's probably one or two of you listening to the show that do this. He was freaking holding a championship belt. That's so bad. <sighs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll I'll tell you, I actually I do own a replica of the Winged Eagle, the the eighty seven to ninety eight WWF title. Do you I'm, walk I'm, do you walk around the hallway? No, that's the thing though, I've never, with that on your shoulder. No, I I have never <laughs> taken it out of my house. I I bought it as a piece that I thought I might like display with my sports yeah. memorabilia. You know, like the minute that thing went up, oh gosh, this is probably two thousand four when they sold that. I never bought a replica belt before, but I was like. That's the one I'm buying that. So I bought it and, and I do have it, but I haven't got it out in a long time. I, I do not wear them to the shows. God bless those of you that do, but I wouldn't, I would never do it. I, I, I strictly wear my John Cena spinner belt when I go out in public. <laughs> he insists on wearing it to work on <laughs> casual Friday. <laughs> you know, you're not the champion, right? Everybody. <laughs> Someone had a tweet one time. I was like, you should be forced to have to defend that belt if you wear it yeah. to the arena. Yeah. So Justin, I said you were sick. So you feeling better? Everything all right over there in the joint household? Yeah. Yeah. I ate something on Monday. My, my body ordered a, a full evacuation. <laughs> <laughs> so doing much better now. Oh, definitely going to add an air raid siren in. Yeah. Podcast <laughs> right about now. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, it's just been a weird week because we all watch fast lane we're communicating with kyle we all were really into that show but then like tv i haven't watched all tv yet this week because i've it's been a busy week for me it's been a busy week for kyle you were sick so we're trying to craft this show and what we're going to talk about and justin kind of threw it out whereas the shield rank historically and i thought that would be an interesting discussion we got we always kind of like doing some nostalgia pieces on here going back in time so um, if you enjoy the show, before we get into that discussion, by the way, if you're watching us here on YouTube and hit that subscribe button, it helps us out. Like the video also, that is very important. You like the video, we rank higher in the search results. We'd very much appreciate that. If you're listening on iTunes, same thing. The more subscribers we get, the higher we rank, the more people that discover this show. So subscribe, leave us a rating. It helps us out. Also, you can find us on Podbean, uh, Spotify. Stitcher, TopRopeNation.com, wherever podcasts are found. So there's a couple, uh, just a couple things I wanted to go over before we get uh, one. Yeah, go ahead. Lead into the Shield discussion. Um, number one, the one thing I did miss out by being there live compared on TV, and I did watch this back, um, you know, on tape, the finish of the Brian Owens Ali three way. Ali's back was to us on that move and like, wow, was that awesome to watch? Like, you know, we got no sense of it from where we were standing, um, the finish there. So that, that was great. Um, did, how did the Shane turn on Miz play on television? I thought really well, I thought okay. it was really effective. Oh, well, I mean, the, the, the crowd was hot for it, like in the building. Obviously. Well, you know, and, you know, and I was going to say, and it, and it helps and it's rare you see this, but there was like three or four guys in that front row 
who reacted exactly how fans should, you know, they were, they're older. So they, they're in on, you know, the gag of wrestling. Um, you know, they're in on the fact that as Ronda Rousey would like to point out that it is fake and scripted, but they had a good time with it. They're, you know, they're, they're yelling, no Shane, no, you know, and it was, it just adds to it. It's nice. Play yeah. along everybody. Honestly, the worst part of it was the Miz's dad. I thought, <laughs> you know, I thought the rest was executed very well. He didn't, I didn't think he sold it very well, which, you know, of course he's not in the wrestling business, so he's, he's probably not going to, but he seemed like pretty ambivalent as his son was getting the hell beat out of him. (laughs) The reaction wasn't the greatest. He had never told him he'd loved him until I mean, you know, Miz must've gotten his acting chops from his mom. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. Cause yeah, there wasn't, I mean, he was trying to act like he was mad, but it was, that was not the greatest, but uh, the rest of it was good. I thought Shane, did a really good job and Miz did a good job. And yeah, those three fans just as mentioned. Yes. He actually threw some good punches for once too. Shane, when he turned, I don't know. Does heel Shane throw better worked punches? Um, <laughs> Probably but, more contact, honestly. Yeah. So we're going to go into this discussion of shield. And um, again, I'm going to ask you guys this watch on television, but in the building, it was very clear. The shield was the most overact on the show. Like, I don't know. Like the Miz was probably in contention for number two, just because, you know, being the hometown guy, Mm-hmm. But like it was by far in a way the shield were the most overact. Yeah, yeah, I think you would expect that. And it definitely came that way on TV too. I should share with you guys a video. I don't want to get in trouble, so I didn't post it online, but there's this video. There's this woman down the road from us. Now, this was a great wrestling fan. She was into it, kind of like what Justin was saying. Um, was man, if this woman would have been around during Jim Crockett promotions when the rock and roll express were in their heyday, she was eating the heat segments up in this match. She was jumping up and down on her chair, screaming, tag your brother, tag your brother. <laughs> and like, and kept referring to Dean Ambrose as quote, the animal. I don't remember him being referred to as the animal. Uh, you know, if you send me this video, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can, I can splice it into our YouTube version okay. of this show. So for those of you, that are watching on YouTube, or if you if you typically listen to the podcast and you want to see this, because I'm not going to put the audio in the podcast version, but if you want to watch the video version of the show, go to youtube.com slash top rope nation and you will be able to view this video. I'll put it in there. And while you're there, hit subscribe. Might as well. So definitely send that to me, Kyle. Okay. I'll get it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so the shield, huge moment this week. Um, so I got us thinking, like I said, where do they rank historically? And I started making a list. Justin made a list. I'm sure Kyle's list is up in his head, but Kyle's a walking encyclopedia of pro wrestling knowledge. Well, so when, when Justin asked this, it's like, oh, what? Like I already didn't have that list. Yeah. <laughs> you probably have like a spreadsheet already made. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I had a difficult time with this because I think it's hard to rank a current act. You know, if five, 10 years from now, when we look back, I think their ranking will even go up from where it is now, but in the, in the time period, it's always kind of hard because we look back with, uh, especially like things from our childhood with a little bit of nostalgia and I don't know. I tried to, when I was making my list, I tried to think of it because it depends what you're ranking, you know, are you ranking them as being successful? Are you ranking them for me having great matches? Are you ranking them for, uh, like pop cultural significance? I put a lot of, uh, like popular culture, significance within my list because i feel like there's three or four teams that are just so like beyond any other stable in wrestling history that it's it's hard to top 
Um, but then like the shields right there, right after that, I think. So Justin, give us your thoughts. Well, I, I, I kind of looked at it as the, the same way as you, I, I had four things in mind and that's impact on, I think wrestling, which is kind of like the pop culture thing too. Uh, the members. So like, did the group make them stars? Were they already stars? Um, was there filler? Uh, then three, uh, any kind of great storylines they were involved in. And then four was, you know, the quality of their matches. Mm -hmm. Those were the things I was looking for. And I, well, and I tried to be objective, but obviously when it comes to wrestling, it's mostly going to be subjective. And because of my age, it's biased towards factions since 1990. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. Um, Kyle, your initial thoughts and your rationale. I could just parrot what you said. Uh, both you said, but Ryan in particular. Oh, jerk. <laughs> I Finally, you, I get some credit on this. Damn I love podcast. you, Justin. Julian. You know that. <laughs> there were three that immediately jumped. Like I was like, all right, these are the top three fractions. And it's, you know, undisputed to quote Adam Cole. But um, after that, like for me, I started thinking, I was like, yeah, the shield measures up pretty well. And, you know, um, the sort of pop culture transcendence impact on the business also for me is all is the biggest factor whenever i evaluate wrestling i know a few what was it last year um place to be nation when they did like their greatest wwf slash e wrestler of all time to me i just don't know how your top five in some order is not you know hogan austin rock bruno and cena like those like i know mount rushmore's four people but like that's those five are like the mount rushmore of the of Titan sports. Yeah. And to be clear with our factions list, we're going to, we're looking at all of wrestling. So beyond WWE, we're, we're considering WCW, um, and WA Crockett promotions, all of that, uh, new Japan as well. So, uh, to just start it off, when you look at the top of the list, to me, it comes down to two and I have a hard time deciding like who I would rank among those two as the, the best faction of all time, but it's the horsemen and the NWO. Would you guys agree? For your top two, or who did you have in your top two, Justin? <laughs> Neither of those. Really? Oh. oh, that's surprising. Yeah. Kyle, did you? Uh, they were both in my top three. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Who who did you say? Who's your first one? So I'm going back and forth between the horsemen and the NWO. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I do have one of those in, in my top two. Okay. I, I felt like in the top three, I had the horsemen, the NWO, and DX. I feel like those three are pretty solid at the top. Yes, those are my top three, but DX is above the NWO. Okay. I can't think about that. Um, to me, the horsemen are pretty. If you want to start, well, I guess if I, they're the go to, you know, I guess I, if you don't think the horsemen are the top faction of all time, I'd be interested to listen to your argument for that. But to me, it's just like they're kind of the standard for which every other faction is judged on yeah and i mean the horsemen had some lean years and some poor lineups there's no doubt about it but um you know for me those you know like you said ryan were the clear top three like i actually there's a significant drop off just because of the impact on the promotions that those mm -hmm. three had compared to everyone else i mean there's some that we really liked but you know maybe the impact wasn't there but um nwo was three for me because as much as they you know strapped the rocket to wcw business you can make a pretty strong argument they were just as important in killing that company 
Yeah, that's true. It got really watered down, especially when they started doing the different groups with the the red and the white. Um, yeah, I, I ended up going with the horseman, I think, for number one, just because of longevity. And although they had lean groups, like Kyle said, it didn't get watered down to the point of the NWO. I think pop culture significance, the NWO outranks the horsemen because they were on top during a more popular yeah. era. But I think you know, if you throw up the four, I think a lot of people even beyond wrestling that were around like in the 80s at least would know what you're talking about um but not to the lovely nwo like growing up in the 90s if you went to the mall you saw nwo shirts like everyone is familiar with the nwo shirt so i think pop culture wise nwo of the factions and dx are probably at the top because of the era but uh, when you look at the whole picture like match quality storylines the people are in the groups like justin was saying for his rationale pretty tough to beat the horseman as as a whole package um go ahead Justin. i would just you know to add on on the nwo thing it's they are you know one of the most impactful factions in the history of wrestling just because of the boom it created for wrestling and uh to kind of kick start it off was one of the greatest moments in wrestling history was hogan turning heel um and with the four horsemen their origins and those original teams especially you know my favorite being the one that included barry windham they were so good that it could that was one of the few factions where you could take a guy put him in the four horsemen and it makes him more prestigious and not only that but even today you can just go around the ww roster and say like oh he would be a good horseman type you know uh wrestler mm-hmm. um but having said that, I had the Horseman 2 and uh, NWO 4. Just because NWO was like, for one, their storyline, they had a couple good storylines, but it always led to just the most disappointing matches you've ever seen. They never had great matches as a faction. Um, so really, you just had, you know, the origins and the boom. And then, you know, a year and a half later, it just like kind of like how Kyle pointed out, started sinking that company. Mm-hmm. So who'd you have number one? Oh, man. I had Bullet Club slash. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I have them fourth, so I'm not like too far away from you, but I, I do have them fourth, actually. I think my top four are pretty well set, and after that, it's really tough. I feel like after the top four, the shield can really come anywhere. You know, to get so, the shield back into this discussion. My, my argument for Bullet Club is I feel like it's to a lesser extent, but similar to the M- NWO. They, they have this pop culture significance on the wrestling industry. There is not a wrestling show you can go to where you are not going to see some variation of a Bullet Club shirt. It it transcended Japan. Like it oh, reached yeah. all the way across, you know, the ocean and came over here to the United States. It created stars that put Finn Balor on the map. Um, it did a, a ton for AJ Styles. It did a ton for uh, Kenny Omega in the Bucks, and it's and it basically led to what should be, you know, the third or second most interesting wrestling company in the history of uh, uh, professional wrestling. Yeah, I I had them four, and pretty much all the reasons that you listed there. Um, I don't know that WWE since the heyday of Austin and The Rock have released a T-shirt that's pop cultural significance reaches what the bullet club has like you're right you see you see those shirts everywhere indie shows wwe shows unbelievable um i think man three or four years ago i had like an argument with some people on twitter about is 
is uh, the Bullet Club pop culture? And they all said no. And I'm like, are you guys crazy? Like, you're seeing these shirts everywhere. It's definitely pop culture. And that was when they had signed, you know, to have the shirts at Hot Topic and all that. And they're just, yeah. Yeah. I really think it just raised awareness for quote unquote independent wrestling and just it widened the entire landscape. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's never been anything close outside of WWE, you know, since WCW went out of business they got to this level as the bullet club so and yeah membership wise a lot of big stars great workers lots of great matches with these guys uh pretty much carried new japan for the last several years at least business i mean people forget japan you know in the early part of the century no one was talking about japan yeah, like when Brock went there, nobody was talking about it. You know, it was like, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't have the, it didn't have the prestige maybe for a lot of fans over in North America, at least that it did like in the 90s. You know, yeah, like I, mean, I remember it, getting the tape trading and I had to get the Japanese tapes, but then like through the early to mid 2000s, nobody was really talking about Japan. Yeah. So it, it definitely got North America on board for sure. And uh, uh, you can't really, can't underrate that. I mean, it, that was huge. No, so. look, look, I'll be very honest with you. They, they, they have a very strong argument to be the fourth uh, faction on this list. For me, very strong. Um, I don't think they have the pop culture cachet the top three groups do. I think, I, I hate this because, you know, it, it's hard when people get in the wrestling bubble. I think within the wrestling bubble, like the pop culture or whatever you want to, we want to first phenomenon the bull club is, is so strong but if you mention bullet club to the public at large do they have any clue what you're talking about whereas i feel like the nwo people like that didn't even watch wrestling just mm-hmm. like whether they wanted to or not knew that the nwo was wrestling dx i think you know you would have people that uh, you know somebody said oh that's suck like if somebody made a suck it reference they'd be like oh that's wrestling yeah everyone uh, knows that yeah, yeah sure um, Maybe the horse, but not. I mean, I don't know. It was tough. You know, NW and DX, their heyday was when I was in high school and college, so it was easy to tell. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, even the horse, and people throw up the four fingers, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who know what that means. I would agree. I don't think it, it has reached the pop and, culture success of those three. And Ra- as Randy Orton pointed out, man, the Bullet Club, they're not afraid to borrow a few things. <laughs> I, I was going to say that was my that was. What <laughs> a promo that was by Randall Keith Orton, touching on all the right buttons. Isn't that interesting, though, that uh, if we look at the top four and like me and Justin have them in our top four, number one and number four, one, this group is started out as like a cosplay of one of the other groups, you know, which so. is why I don't think you why I personally could not have them above the NWO. Although, again, they have, you know, not yet will not whatever have the destructive influence that the NWO did. It, it really, you know, when Hogan and Nash and those guys would just not give up their spots. That caused a major problem. The NWO basically ate WCW alive. As much as we all, you know, sometimes give Vince shit because he never portrays outsiders as equal or certainly not better. Mm -hmm. The one example of a promotion allowing an outside group, quote unquote, to look stronger than it's, you know, itself, than the promotion itself, that promotion died. You know, WCW basically was never allowed to fully get its heat back against the NWO and prove that, you know, they started calling the pay-per-views WCW slash NWO. I remember that was a big talking point in 98. It basically was like, oh, okay, well, the NWO is just as important as WCW. It's not just this 
heel invading group that were going to be back to make WCW even stronger moving forward. It basically ate the promotion alive. And yeah. So obviously the culture at large, NWO is, you know, heads above Bullet Club, you know, but as far as, you know, kind of kayfabe in a way, but as far as star making, I think Bullet Club is far better than NWO was, unless you want to make an argument for Scott Steiner or uh, Marcus Bagwell. Um, and then also, you know, kind of your point, like NWO ended up killing WCW, whereas Bullet Club has kind of created its own new company, kind of the exact opposite of what NWO does. Yeah. That's yeah. Kind, of, kind of why I rank it a little bit higher. Yeah, to your point, your four criteria, pop culture impact, members, storylines, match quality, I'd say the Bullet Club, easily three of those four. For sure. Yeah. Members, storylines, and match quality, I definitely have to go with Bullet Club. So it's it's how much do you rank the impact factor, I think. But I think top four, top five, for sure, uh, for me, Bullet Club would be in there. So. I mean, the NWO never did, but it never was about making stars. It was kind of about taking existing guys mm-hmm. you know, who were already huge names and, and just band, you know, it was basically, you know, let's put a bunch of guys who may cut their teeth in WWE, WWF and, you know, make them an outside type group. You know, like maybe someone like Conan wasn't known to the North, not the North American, but the United States crowd as much like that made him a bigger yeah. star, but he was, he was a big star in Mexico. Well, and Hall and Nash were much bigger stars in WCW than they were as Diesel Razor Ramon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if, there is one match I'll point out. If if you if you think you've never seen a good NWO match, and trust me, there are not many. Slambery '97, the main event of that show. It's the Wolfpack, Hall, Nash, and Waltman against Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Kevin Green. Give it a watch. I know you're listening to those names, and you're like, "There's no way in hell." Give it a watch. It's in Charlotte. Crowd's hot. Kevin Green always to me was a guy who could have you know done something in wrestling had he not been still in the nfl it's a fun match i'll tell you what only our kyle ross would pull a match like that out of his ass to <laughs> is, recommend. That, is that 98 97 slambery 97 it's a show that i did not watch it all the time like it was very skippable um but somebody said oh this match is good and i was like oh. and i watched it. i was like holy god like this the heat i mean like the wolf pack are great heel stooges in the match they you know they work exactly like they should for people who didn't think the nwo ever gave wcw guys anything they do in this match um if you remember if just trying to jog memories remember nash went on nitro and cut this kind of shootish promo about flair and piper and about like old guys holding everyone down the first when he was in wcw the first time uh vaguely okay this that promo led to this match so okay but other than that yeah i mean it's other than the randy savage ddp matches there was i mean not a lot of match quality from the nwo yeah so okay outside of those guys and do you have someone uh, another faction in mind kyle you want to throw in like this top four discussion because you no. had the same top three as me. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, you know, D, one thing with DX that's interesting is successful both as baby faces and heels. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and every iteration, you know, I mean, I, for me personally, my favorite would always be the Sean Hunter. Mm-hmm. For, the first started. But then they were had a great baby face run with Triple H as the leader. 
Sex Pac and the Outlaws joining him. Then, you know, a year, you know, after they broke up, they reformed in 99. More or less, X Pac and Outlaws were flunkies for Triple H at that point. The dynamic was a little different as heels, but they were effective in that role. And then, you know, years down the road, obviously, the Sean Hunter 2006 babyface iteration is not. I was not a fan of that. I think we've no. talked about that on the show before. Yeah, but you know what? It was kind of over, so I guess you have to give them some just do. And here's another thing we have to consider with DX. You know, we talk about the Bullet Club kind of, you know, being a cosplay of NWO. When DX first started in 97, what was the knock on them? Everyone's like, oh, they're WWF's kind of tr-. I mean, it wasn't necessarily apples to apples, but people were saying, oh, WWF's trying to have their NWO. I mean, never grew to the size of the NWO in terms of members. But it very clearly was like the same type deal. Yeah. You know, kind of a, a group of heels who acted like they were above the promotion. Yeah. And plus, you had Hall and Nash, and everyone knew they were buddies. So, yes. The, yeah. When they the showed, remember when they showed the click incident on Raw? <laughs> what a wild time. Yeah. Having Raw was. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um, I feel like, yeah, you get us outside of this top three or four, and then it's like anybody's ball game. And so, like, I. I can see how people could rank the shield like fifth, you know, in history. I can also see how people could say, you know, uh, maybe top 10, maybe just outside the top 10. It just kind of, it comes down to what you're a fan of, you know? And as I look at my list, (laughs) it's pretty difficult. I'm not, I'm not quite sure where I would put the shield, but I do think top 10 for sure. They Uh, are easily the best WWE faction post attitude era. Oh, right. yeah. It, it, oh, you either be them or Evolution. And the thing with Evolution is you look at the members and, you know, when they come out, they had a certain cachet and, you know, the, the line in the sand is like a really awesome song. But wow, did they preside over a dog period of Raw. I mean, those Raws were not good when they were on top. Yeah. At all. So that's kind of like a mark against them. And did the Shield ever get a fair run? We need to talk about that because they were broken up way too early. Yeah, certainly broke them up way too early. That that hurt them for sure. Um, and then they were broken up foolishly. I mean, they're literally the only group that I think has been foolishly broken up twice. Yeah, it's weird because some of these groups, it's like they, they kept on too long, like the NWO. And then here's the group that didn't go long enough. Yeah. I mean, to me, when I watched that the main event in the building, I, I was thinking to myself, imagine breaking this group up like why do they have like i get that you want to push them as you know individuals but why do they have to be broken up to do that Mm -hmm. you can have them still be loosely associated and then when necessary they can team up i mean that 2014 turn was just so ill-timed with you know they were on top they'd just been put over evolution two straight times and daniel bryan your top baby face went on the shelf for an extended period of time you needed a top baby face act. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously this last time when they did it, the Ambrose heel turn was, you know, an unmitigated disaster. So would we all agree like with the shield reigns and Rollins went out onto bigger and greater things. Ambrose, this is the highlight of his WWE run. Like unquestionably, would you guys agree? What, yeah. Right I mean, he was world champion, but yeah, true. I would say like his shield uh, to me, his shield, um, his shield run was his height though. Like, I don't feel, I feel like 
I like high hopes for him coming out of the shield. And even when he started with the shield, everyone was talking about him. Like, oh, he's, he's the new Roddy Piper. That's, that's what's so funny is like looking at where they're all at now. And then you look at uh, who they gave the championships to. Yes. Re- Reigns and Rollins got the tag titles while Ambrose got the United States title. I mean, yeah. It's just amazing to look back on. I, I, it's just like when I'm trying to think where I'm going to rank them, like I don't want to rank the faction based on what the guys did individually. Do you know what I mean? Well, but I think, I, I think that's part of it. I think you should look at what they were able to do with each other and what that propelled them to do later on in their careers. And like the superstar, the, the star power involved. Uh, I, I think that's important. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? I think that's interesting because let's like look at those top groups we talked about. Like, I feel like a lot of them, you know, again, it wasn't about necessary with the horsemen. There were some instances individual, but like Flair was already a made guy when the horsemen started. Flair had been on top for two years, yeah. if not longer, when, when like the horsemen officially started. Um, Tully had been a top guy. Arn had been at the top, you know, Ole Anderson. I mean, these were like not, you know, new names. Uh, they did. Luger was a huge benefit to him to join the group when he replaced um, Ole. But, you know, even Barry Windham was already kind of a made guy. He'd been so, in world title matches the year before. You, you already kind of pointed out, uh, I think NWO catapulted Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And I would say uh, DX catapulted Triple H. For, yes, for sure. I would. Yeah. And that was a point I was going to get, you know, um, Triple H, people forget, he was the opposite of interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) before DX started in the summer of 97. I mean, remember, people were always like, God, what are they going to give? I mean, that was a knock Mm -hmm. on it. People were like, what are they going to give it up with this guy? Remember the signs, Triple H, mid-card for life? Yeah. I think Brett kind of bashed him on Wrestling with Shadows. This is a guy that nobody's ever going to like or something, like the character at the time, the the Mm -hmm. snobby guy. Yeah, yeah, give credit. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the time when DX started, fall 97 and a year after that where triple h was you know this, he was like the second most over baby face after SummerSlam 98 obviously mm-hmm. so the, the other thing i wanted to say about the shield real quick is you know obviously they made themselves into superstars but also i think more than any other faction uh especially as a faction by far and away the best matches yeah, all their match, all the trios matches were really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot yeah. of these teams, they didn't have a lot of faction matches. Like I think the Heart Foundation, they had the Canadian Stampede, because the Heart Foundation to me is in the top ten. Yeah, but they Same. weren't. I guess they're working some tags here and there. But. Yeah, I mean Owen and Owen and Davey have the Raw tag against yeah. Austin Michaels, which is really good. Well, I mean when you talk match quality, I mean we we got to talk horsemen. I mean War Games. Mm-hmm. Hello, you know, um, yeah. and lots of other, you know, you know. By the way, one thing that's interesting, because I, I thought about it, you know, Justin brought this up and I, and I meant to bring it up earlier, that, you know, he's not alone. I think most people consider the Rick Arn Tully Barry version, the best version of the Horseman. Only around for like a couple months, like five, six months. Like Barry joined in April when he turned on Luger. And then Arn and Tully quit by the fall to go to WWF over money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, wrong. as much as everyone remembers that, you know, and, and thinks that, you know, Rick has set himself on DVDs, all that was the best version. It was only around for six months. Yeah. 
Yeah, the other thing here I've been thinking about as we've been talking is that a lot of we've been talking about springboarding people to stardom from these groups. And, and you look at a group like the Heart Foundation, for that group, that was like their last hurrah. You know, like all these guys came in established, and after the Heart Foundation, none of them were ever like that big again. Obviously, the, WCW blew up Brett. Yeah, the, the, none of them were even in the promotion again. Yeah. You know? the, the thing with the Heart Foundation, that 97 run, is that was just one of the best storylines and that was just it created some of the hottest crowds it turned two nations against each other as far as wrestling yeah yeah impact wise the heart foundation ranks really high because that was kind of the start of wwf's business turning the corner right before i I guess that's like the start of the attitude era really i mean it it made a a a red white and blue loving ryan drosty by a canadian that's right at epcot center in 1997 oh i've heard it all now yeah uh, that was (laughs) my family went to disney world in the summer of 97 and we went to epcot center and i i immediately wanted to go to the canada section so i could get a flag it's true my favorite part of the heart foundation was the formation when remember owen and davy had been they've been teasing a breakup angle for months and then Brett um, call, pulled the power play actually behind the scenes once they once he agreed to turn heel. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, he basically was like, "No, well, I want to do a faction with Owen and Davey. and they just put the kibosh on the split angle. They were work wrestling Owen and Davey on Raw. Brett comes out and cuts that unbelievable promo that where Owen is like crying at the end. Like mm-hmm. that was the best. Like seeing Brett and Owen embrace after you know basically feuding for over three years at that time was just so great. Yeah. I, this, they rank really highly for me. That's one of my favorite periods in wrestling history. Mm -hmm. Um, I would put them above the shield personally, just because the storylines were so great. Like I, I like the shield a lot. I don't feel like any of their storylines like grabbed me, like what happened with the heart foundation that year. Um, well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, they're in an era where, the classic storylines maybe just aren't there. Yeah, for sure. What's the Shield's best storyline? Is it <laughs> Evolution? About that and... is, is it the babyface turn and feuding with Evolution? Yeah, I think it's that babyface turn uh, going from the Wyatt family to crushing uh, Kane and uh, New Age Outlaws into Evolution. And then, honestly, I think an argument could be made for uh, this return at Fastlane. I mean, obviously, that's kind of not a storyline as much as it is just a story. A one-off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like something they'll show on the highlight reels always. Heart yeah. Foundation, again, not a long shelf life. No, I mean, we're talking eight seven months. months. Yeah, seven and a half, eight months right in there, starting in March to November. And, well, it kind of started, well, Brett's heel turn started in March, I guess, so then we'd be into April. So, yeah, about seven yeah, months. Yeah, it wasn't until April, I think, that they started and they didn't solidify. Because, like, Neidhart didn't join till maybe even may or something yeah he came in real late yeah him and pillman i can't remember he had a he had like a contract with some indie groupers i think i feel like we've talked i think we talked about this on the SummerSlam 97 yes um so that's a good uh that's a good uh spot to promote our patreon which i haven't been talking about uh if you like listening to us talk classic wrestling uh, we started a Patreon page, patreon.com slash top rope nation. We produced two shows exclusively for Patreon. You can hear like the first 10 minutes, I think, on our podcast feed of the SummerSlam 97 show. And we talked a ton about the Heart Foundation on that show. But if you want to hear the whole thing, yeah, patreon.com slash top rope nation. Uh, if we get some more subscribers, 
we'll start putting out more Patreon only classic shows like this because we love doing it. We just need people to sign up to make it worth doing, and, and we'll produce I'll more do shows. It. Anyway, I'll do it anyway. Just keep recording out content. Yeah. Um, you know who's a comparable group to me uh, for the Heart Foundation and a group that I think we're all going to have in our top 10 is Dangerous Alliance. Oh, yes. Yeah, like, you know, in terms of recessive, now it was not to the level that. You know the WWE's business resuscitated, obviously, but you know when Dangerous Alliance got going, I mean, people forget. Look, I can watch just about any era of like any, you know, any uh, any part of WWF WCW since like the national expansion. I can basically watch any era. The summer of 1991 WCW is absolute unmitigated. Horse maneuver. <laughs> like when, that like, is such a Kyle Ross. I love that. Like, that is such a Kyle Ross line. Like right that there. four months after Flair left is awful. Like it is so bad. And they had no idea what to do. And then here comes a dangerous alliance man, and things picked up. And you talk about a group where the guys could all be utility guys. They did so many six mans on WCW Saturday night. You know, tag team matches on clashes. Um, even, you know, it, they technically were not Dangerous Alliance yet at this point. But, like, the Arn and Larry tag match against Dustin and Ricky Steamboat of Clash 17 is, like, one of the best WCW matches of the 1990s. Um, you know, that War Games in Wrestle War 92, many consider that the best WCW match of the 1990s. So they're a group, obviously, who... Um, is very much near the top, even though, like, you know, 1992 WCW business is not great. But I think, you know, without the Dangerous Alliance, God knows where that promotion would have ended up going into 1992. Yeah, especially when you look at uh, talking about the members. Yes. In such a, such a, uh, you know, a, a collage of past greats, current greats, and obviously a future top three wrestler of all time. Uh, and, and more than that, all those guys could freaking go in the ring. All mm. of them. They were just so good. You know, I, to, to what you just said, I remember I have like a buddy who like did not watch WCW at all in the early nineties. And I told him, like, I recommended the dangerous Alliance to me. He asked me a WCW question. I was like, you should watch the Dan He's like, well, who is that? And I named the members and he was like, holy shit. That's, that was a group. I was, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Turn on that award-winning WWE network. Was, yeah. Educate yourself. Yeah, I mean, because that, that, I mean, that is one of the great periods in ring, at least, of WCW's history. That like first, you know, very end of '91 into you know the summer of '92. This is like the prime Justin Joint era of WCW watching as well. It's prime wrestling in general for yeah. me. I mean. <laughs> You know, I was in that sweet spot of being 11 years old and uh, uh, my dad had a satellite that got pay-per-views for free and, ooh, boy, that was, that was, that was a good six months for Justin. I feel like uh, when we became friends, like half our discussions were about that era of WCW at the time. It's the best. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at it, Super Bowl, which we've mentioned on the show, ad nauseum, Super Bowl two. Um Then Wrestle War was after that. Um, and Beach Blast 92. I mean, that's like, those are three awesome pay-per-views. You know, WWE 
network just put up this that run of superstars in 1992 those episodes wcw was much much better during that period than wwf mm -hmm. i agree and, and, yeah, it no, got bad no. towards the end of '92 for when you know Watts thought Heyman was making too much money, and he basically disintegrated Dangerous Alliance. Um, and oh boy, it was it was it's a real small crowds by the end of '92. But man, it was great while it lasted. The Dangerous Alliance again, not around long, similar yeah. to our relation. Yeah, but you know, if you're not around long, but that period is really good. You can rank them high. I think I'm pretty well set. I think I'm going to put on my list the Heart Foundation '97 as number five. And then when I look at the rest of my list, I think I'm putting the shield at number six, to be honest. I, I look at, I got a longer list that goes beyond 10, but I was kind of like trying to mark who I would throw in my top 10. I think, I think of all these, I got the shield and then beyond that, it could really go in, in any order. I want to hear some of your other high, both of your guys, some of your top who's rounded out the top. Cause I assume the seven that we've mentioned so far, we all would consider top. 10. Yeah. I have the dangerous Alliance. Yep. Um, I have the nation of domination. They um, they just missed my cut. Yeah, God, they were. Uh, yeah, you look at star making though, man. The Rock came into his own. In the he nation. did. That's what I kept thinking. I kept coming back to that, and they had some really memorable stories too. Like when Ahmed joined the nation, I remember being like blown away. <laughs> and their feud you know? with DX. Yeah, I yeah, to me that, they rank pretty high, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like the rock-led version a lot better than the Farouk-led version. Oh, yeah. Me too. I agree. More entertaining. Um, so I have the Dangerous Alliance also that is in top 10 consideration. Nation of Domination, Evolution. I got the New Day up there. Okay, so um, let's bring them a fat. See, I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth on that too, but yeah, three guys. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not just because it's not the size. It's that I just feel that they're a, a tag team more than a stable that has three guys yeah I just, yeah I, I think once you get to three and because i i had completely forgotten about them but i haven't uh ranked seven is the Freebirds, and it's like yeah, but, i didn't even get to experience the real impact they had because that was more down south and i didn't really get to watch that because you talk to any wrestling fan from down south and they're going to talk about Freebirds versus von erics as one of yeah. the greatest feuds of all time mm -hmm. i i did a deep dive i've watched almost all of 83 uh world class on the network Dude, you want to talk about some of the best crowds in wrestling history? Give me the cr weekly crowd at the Dallas Sportatorium. Oh, yeah. I mean, these people were just absolutely emotionally invested in that feud more than like any crowd has been in any feud in history, really. I mean, the Freebirds are top 10 for me. Yeah. And, they're, and, and they're more shield than New Day to me in terms of being a factor. I've said it before. I think New Day might be the greatest tag team. WWE yeah. And what's funny is we don't think of the Shield as a tag team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got the only other ones that, and I, like I said, that was in no particular order. But I'm just going down the list of who I had jotted down in that order. Um, no ranking, but and the only ones left were the Freebirds and the Corporation, which I thought I thought the Corporation did some pretty memorable stuff. Not there. Teddy Biasi's Corporation, I hope. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> that would uh, be on the list of one of the worst wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so those are all. I guess that puts me at no League one, of two, Nations. Three, four, five, six. That's <laughs> actually that's putting me around eleven or twelve. These are the ones I had starred as in consideration for my top ten. So I guess from those six, I'd have to pick four. If I got the Heart Foundation at five, the Shield at six, 
Uh, I think I'd have to probably of those go with the Freebirds next, and that would be like my seventh. And then, um, yeah, maybe Dangerous Alliance at eight, Nation at nine, and then then I'm picking for my tenth slot between the Evolution, New Day, and the Corporation. Uh, I think I yeah, I might put Evolution at number ten. So the New Day would just miss it. The Corporation would just miss it. And then on the outside, others that I really liked. You know, I really liked Raven's Flock for a while in WCW. I, I was gonna make sure we brought them up because yeah. I, I was a huge fan. Yeah, I liked Raven's Flock a lot. Um, I've been the Brood was pretty cool. You know, but they never did. I, I felt they always should have done more with them. You know, like that was like the thing. Like if you talk to people in the crowds in '98. Everyone's like, these guys are cool, and but they never really did anything with them. Remember, they just joined that. Okay, you talk about one of the shittiest factions of all time. The freaking Ministry of Darkness must be mentioned because <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, corporate ministry ministry. That was all bad. Do we consider the Heenan? Oh, oh no, we lost Kyle. him. We lost him right when he was bringing up something. I really the Heenan family. Talk. That's another one of mine. That okay, okay, just kind of misses the top ten. Now see. I don't consider them a stable. And if I did, they would be top five. And I don't consider them a stable because they were never really together. It was just no, that's, more yeah. individuals being managed by Bobby Heenan. Yeah. It was like, you knew the group of people Heenan was with, but you, you didn't really like, you didn't see them together a lot, like yeah. all of them together. Yeah. That's what Kyle, I think the Heenan them, family. They're more of just a tree from Bobby Heenan. Yes. yes. Uh, Kyle, you missed it. What I, I said was, I don't consider the Heenan family a faction, but if I did, I'd have to have them top five. They were more just individuals all managed by the same person. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I just, I just wanted to throw it out there just for, I, I'm glad you, I, I had that in my notes. I just forgot to bring it up. Yeah. I, I wanted to go back to Raven's flock. I've been watching a lot of early 98 thunder recently, obviously after our <laughs> discussion. Yes. What a thing. They were fun. Man, they, they That's really a call were. back to last week's show, by the way, if you haven't heard it. Yes. Yeah. Also, when you I watch early 98 Thunder, like I feel like the same complaints about it like would apply to modern WWE. You know, it, it very you very much in terms of like it, it's 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 um it's pretty with like some of the storylines, you know, um kind of not going anywhere sometimes <laughs> or being forgotten. Um, and you know, maybe questions of elevation, which always, you know, people sometimes wrongly, um, criticize WWE for, but, um, that was far more prevalent that, that era of WCW. Yeah. So who else would you have like kind of rounding out your top 10, Kyle? I feel we hit them all. Like, you know, you know, after the big three, I said, you know, okay, bullet clubs, they've got a discussion for number four. I, I would consider them four. Then I think you're looking at, you know. Shield Dangerous Alliance, Heart Foundation, Freebirds. So we're up to eight. Um, you haven't given us your thought on evolution. Yeah. So like I said, like you run through the list. You know, if you just showed me a picture of evolution or you sent me a link to Motorhead's line in the sand, I'd be like, oh, yeah, evolution. But it cannot be discounted how bad Raw was in 03. Yeah, like, I, it was Raw. a good like star making group, but I no question put shield okay. the shield over. Okay, it. Yeah. okay, that part of the equation they rank very high for what it did because Orton and Batista were nothing. 
really before that group and both went on to become headliners. Um, I, I've said it before on this program, you know, obviously we've all come full circle with Triple H and Batista working each other at Mania this year. I, that Triple H Batista storyline, which began late 04 and then, you know, culminated at WrestleMania 21 and actually what kept going on before that was one of the last great money drawing storylines for WrestleMania. I mean, now, you know, they just sort of put on a big match, but like you talk about an angle that took months to develop that, that did show did big business on the back of that um, angle and feud. I mean, when Batista gave the old fake thumbs up and thumbs down to Triple H and Ric Flair, that's a top 10 raw moment. Baby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Me and my friends imitated that so many times yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, Justin, your, your final thoughts on your top 10. You can you can read off your top 10 if you want to. Kyle's is probably off the top of his head, but I'll read mine one more time. So I got the Horseman at one, NWO at two, DX at three, Bullet Club at four, Heart Foundation at five, Shield at six. Freebirds at seven, Dangerous Alliance at eight, The Nation at nine, and Evolution at 10. So just missing my cut, I would say, would be a New Day, Corporation, uh, Raven's Flock kind of is up there, and The Brood. Uh, yeah, I got uh, Bullet Club, Four Horsemen, NWO, DX, Shield, Heart Foundation, Freebirds, Evolution, New Day, and uh, Dangerous Alliance. Um, and I just want to throw out there one that obviously is not great by any means, but I just love the idea of was legacy. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a good idea. It, 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 it was kind of like evolution, but with Orton yeah. as the leader, you know, it, it was kind of, you know, we talk about things that, um, uh, you know, parrot other previous groups. I, I think, you know, legacy was definitely, you know, Randy Orton in the triple H role of, of evolution. So. All right. Oh. Uh, my, I mean, I guess my top ten would be New Day if we're if we're counting them. I initially didn't count them as ten. Evolution is nine. Uh, Dangerous Alliance eight. Heart Foundation seven. Freebird six. Shield five. Bullet Club four. NWO three. DX two. Four Horsemen one. Nice. I think we're all pretty close. Like uh, yeah. about on the same page. So. Yeah, four Horsemen in terms of star making. I guess you know you could make the argument Pillman and Benoit. I really liked that. I mean, I know that we're not supposed to say any nice things about Chris Benoit anymore for good reason, but you know, I really liked that version. I love the match too, that got them back together where, um, Pillman, Arn and stay, uh, Pillman, Arn and Flair all turned and beat the tar out of sting. Mm-hmm. Halloween havoc 95. Love it. Yeah. Just cause the crowd actually bought like, man, wrestling crowds, the way they used to be. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just thinking about that match. If you want to, if you want to go back, I know I've given many recommendations of the show, but here's another one. If you want to go back and watch that match, it's attack Flair and when Flair asks Sting to be his partner, because Art and Pillman keep beating him up every week on Nitro. This is like the early era of Nitro, and then it's just a big, you know, ruse. And they all kick Sting's ass. The crowd today would totally see through that, right? Like yeah. everybody would know what was coming. That freaking live crowd. I mean. You know, even like for me, when I was, I was like, okay, this might happen. But like that live crowd was just disgusted when Ric Flair turned on Sting. Mm-hmm. And Same thing with Hogan's NWO moment. Like that would have been, people would have been talking on Twitter about that for weeks. Do you suppose there was somebody in the crowd yelling, hey, that's Blade Runner Flash? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
feel there's got to be some territorial stables that we didn't. Like. Oh, we're definitely missing a bunch. That's yeah. why I said mine was post 1990, basically. Yeah. Um, I had the thing, mi- sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I would say, but like the thing, like back to like the point about the Heenan family, it was generally like, you know, in that era, it would be like a manager with a group of folks rather than like a stable. I mean, like mid South had the rat pack. Um, uh, Gary Hart, didn't he? Uh, yeah. JTEX or something like that. Well, that was in, in, in NWA, like Gary Hart had his thing. And then like, you know, in world class, there was devastation Inc. incorporated too. um, Skandor Akbar's group, but eh, I don't think those groups, um, would make my top 10. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in this top 10 and then the group's kind of just missing out. So, guys, this has been a fun discussion. I'm sure we've missed one. People are going to mock us on the Twitter.com. <laughs> Aces and eights. Yeah. <laughs> At Top Rope Nation, send us your thoughts. Oh, I was going to read some of the listeners because I, I tweeted this out earlier. And, yeah, we uh, need to do that. We need to give the listeners some. Yeah, we got quite a few responses. So uh, let's see what some of them said. I said I'd read some of these on the air. So. Oh, let's see. A lot of people disagreeing with each other. Got some conversation going. We should have um, probably mentioned the Wyatt family, by the way. That was yeah. I had them kind of in that just missing out too. Uh, let's see, Mister Furman Torres. He had uh, the Horseman at number one. Also, he had Dangerous Alliance at number two. DX and then number four. Here's one we haven't talked about: the Main Event Mafia. Right, a little uh, TNA. Insert yeah. cricket noises there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't agree with that one, but the other three, all right. Um, let's see. They're, just below, they're below the LWO for me, baby. Uh, at Sober Wrestling, NWO, Four Horsemen, Freebirds, The Shield. He said, yielded three top guys, including the face of the company, is WWE's last male home run act. That's uh, what I'm talking about. Near and yeah. dear to my heart, that guy. Um, Aunt Dale, 86, DX Heart Foundation, NWO, Horseman Corporation, Nation, Heenan Family, Ministry, Freebirds, Evolution. Uh, what else? We've got uh, Headlock Talk. He said the Horsemen are probably number one in my book, NWO second with the Shield, a very close three. Uh, Kyle, our guy out there in uh, New Jersey, I believe. He's got the Horsemen, New, New Day, DX, NWO, and the Shield uh let's see who else do we got here someone said that they'd rank the shield below the horseman freebirds nwo and dx you know pretty close to where we were at as well so yeah and then we got a lot of people <laughs> adding each other here about all oh, they thought they were wrong this is why they disagree and love discussion uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Derek Schropel being Mr. Sarcasm out there. The oh. Natural Born Thrillers. Derek, yeah, he DM'd me about the Natural Born Thrillers. By the way, I saw Derek was getting into it with one of the guys, uh, our buddies from the Matt Men podcast about the – I'm glad you brought up Derek's name because I need to chime in on this. I hope Derek's listening. Um, he was getting in with one of our buddies on the Matt Men podcast um, uh, about the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. It was uh-huh. when the Honky Talk Man got inducted and – you know, the, 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 their Twitter account put out, oh, the Hall keeps talking, man, greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And they were kind of like putting him over. And and Derek, you know, said Chris Jericho was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And they were going back and forth. Both wrong. It's Randy Savage. Finn, I think Randy Savage is better also. Yes. Randy, like, um, and by the way, Honky Talk Man, though, um, not, not to pick sides between friends, but the Honky Talk Man was better intercontinental champion than Chris Jericho. 
Ooh, strong disagree. None of like, if you want to talk about them as a wrestler, yes, obviously Jericho had the better career, but none of Jericho, like, it's just basically counting. <laughs> like his intercontinental, it's like, oh, okay, he won it a bunch of times, but like none of his reigns mattered at all. I would say the same about Honky Talk's one reign. Uh, he he, he made a vetted houses. He drew big hot. Like you you put the Honky Talk man on top. He never he never he never drew me to a house, Kyle. Never well, drew me to a house. <laughs> well, I mean that was before 1990. <laughs> That's true. I mean he Honky. I mean seriously. I mean he did big business as, as the B show headliner in that era. Yeah, I, I'd agree that Randy Savage kind of <laughs> he puts the, most of them. Yeah, yeah, he puts the full package together. Yeah. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm trying to scroll on my computer right now. The other thing I need to do for the listeners is I've been talking about leaving us a rating. What you were doing? <laughs> Got to leave us a rating, guys, on uh, iTunes. I was trying to pull it up on my phone, and it doesn't show all our ratings. I guess we have too many at this point. We don't have that many, but too many to show them all on uh, my computer. So. I've had a few uh, recent ratings I wanted to read off. So if you guys go to iTunes, you look up Top Rope Nation, give us a five star, leave us a review. And if it's good, we'll read it on the air. So we had Jamie recently. It's our most recent review. He said, this podcast is my go-to podcast on the road to WrestleMania. How about that? Uh, We had Anthony back in February. He said, love wrestling then you have to listen to this podcast. Lots of interesting insight and opinions of mainstream wrestling uh, and also outside of the mainstream, both old and new. Uh, These are very see. smart people. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've got Quintessential Babyface. <laughs> That's the username. He said, I am a new listener to the podcast, but it's quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts. And I'm not just talking wrestling podcasts. I mean podcasts in general. These guys know what they are talking about and do a great job of keeping their audience entertained. Thank you very much, quintessential babyface. We appreciate it. And uh, let's see, Tony. As the description said, we get all three in this great wrestling podcast. And what what does the description say? Three guys talking wrestling, enjoying beers, and having some laughs, or something like that. Uh, it says there are a ton of podcasts out there, but this one has to be in your rotation now. And. Uh, Let's see. The last one from February. These guys are hilarious and love the topic. Keep it going. Thank you very much. Good reviews. Love it. So leave us a rating. You like what we're doing. We love hearing from listeners. You can also email us topropenation at gmail.com. But those ratings are key for us. You know, get the word out about the show. Keep it growing. Uh, it's been it's been good ever since Podbean featured us last uh, month as the podcast of the week. That really that bumped our numbers up. So we've had a lot of new listeners, new subscribers. Thanks for tuning in. Stay with us. We'll be putting out shows weekly, definitely in, a, in anticipation of WrestleMania here. We're always having some good shows. So, uh, And uh, if, if you like the historical shows too, hey, like what we did this week, you want to hear more of this? Let us know. Tweet us. You like the show at Top Rope Nation. Do more of these nostalgia shows. Uh, put some more content on Patreon. You know, Subscribe. Let us know. We'll, we'll pump out more than one podcast a week if you guys join up on the Patreon page. Kyle? I was gonna go over NXT spoilers, but by the time everyone hears this, those will be available. So I guess it's not really like it's not like we're like doing this live on the radio. So I don't think that yeah um matters. But you know, it's gonna be Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole main eventing takeover in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um one other thing I did want to bring up. Who do we think Kurt Angle's opponent's gonna be at WrestleMania? John Cena. That's what I think too. Agreed. I think well, he, I, would, I think it can that was only fun. Be, <laughs> I think it can only be John Cena or Undertaker. And I 
I'm starting to get the feeling this is going to be our first one without uh, the dead man. What about Finn Balor and The Undertaker? Oh, it's going to be Finn and, Finn and Lashley. I'll tell you uh, what, you guys would have freaking dig up Buddy Rogers and have him work Finn Balor. You were <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, you and Finn Balor. Greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. We'll <laughs> never forget those three weeks. They were unbelievable. There'll be more. There'll be plenty more where that came from. You might from. win it back at Mania, yeah. <laughs> Guys, as always, pleasure talking with you two gentlemen. I always enjoy it every week. Speaking of Bobby Lashley, you really just can't appreciate how big this guy is until you see him in person like I did. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. He is huge. Jack to the gills. All right, guys. On that note, enjoy your weekend. We are, uh, what, just over three weeks away now from WrestleMania, so it's coming soon. Biggest thrill ride of the year. <laughs> so check us out. TopRobeNation.com, wherever podcasts are found. YouTube. YouTube is one of the, the biggest areas we're trying to get growing. So if you haven't already subscribed, do it. It's free. YouTube.com slash TopRobeNation. Hit that subscribe button. Appreciate it very much. And, of course, you're going to get extra content on YouTube. If you just listen to the podcast, that's great. But on YouTube, sometimes we throw in some extra things, like the uh, video Kyle was talking about earlier of the crazy fan at Fastlane. I'm going to throw that in the YouTube broadcast when I edit this tonight before I upload it. Glad you brought that up because the chances of me remembering something from a half hour ago is very small. I am expecting this video that Kyle probably filmed on his 10-year-old iPhone, so excuse the quality. I Let me tell you something. Videos. First of all, all right, I'm <laughs> sorry. Twitter I'm Twitter page. Techie, okay, for God's sake. And, but you're in luck because uh, somebody else I was with was the one who did it. So. Oh, there they, we go. HDN. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I got to say, Kyle, that video he sent me during Fastlane, it looked a little like maybe my cable reception back in the era of the Dangerous Alliance. I don't a little know, man. snowy. I don't know what you're saying, man. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, hit us up at Top Rope Nation on Twitter, toprobenation at gmail.com. If you want to send a word to the show, leave us a rating. We'll read it on the show next week. And have a good weekend. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Peace.